tuning in to the online broadcast network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Johnson. TV, the destination for TV superfans, producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows, interviewing celebrities and showrunners, and bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! Oh, that's just stupid! Deadites always like to get their freak on, and when we get together, we do the Necronomicon. The Necronomicon. <laughs> do the Necronomicon. Come on, come on, and do the Necronomicon. Hey there, Ash vs. <laughs> Evil Dead fans. Welcome to the season finale of Ash vs. Evil Dead on AfterBuzz TV. Tonight, we are talking about episode 10, The Dark One. Oh, man. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> So much to cover this evening. If you guys haven't already done so, please go to iTunes, rate, subscribe. We want to hear from you, especially because it's the season finale. We want to hear your guys' predictions for season two. Please go ahead and do that. We are also going to be keeping an eye on the live chat for all of you guys watching live and the hashtag ABTVEvilDead. Let me introduce my fantastic panel as we dance, <laughs> as we sit down, <laughs> get back up, and, and lasso so all around. <laughs> to my left, Lex Michael. That is me. I am Lex Michael all over social media at the Lex Michael, we made it. We're all here. Nobody got heathered. This is very exciting. This is very surprising, actually. No, Emma and I are blonde. I thought we'd be blonde episode one. (laughs) Elena Jordan. Hi, I'm Elena Jordan. You can find me on Twitter at Elena Jordan and on Instagram at that Elena Jordan girl. Emma Fife. That's me, Emma Fife. You can follow me all over social media at Emma Fife, and thank you all for indulging my need for uh, the Necronomicon to be the opening for this episode. I really had a great time. I hope that you all did, too. (laughs) Don't feel bad. You were not alone in that need and that desire. So I hope that for those of you who have not listened to the soundtrack for the Evil Dead musical, I hope your lives are now enriched. Anyway, I am your host, Megan Salinas. You guys can tweet at me at the Menguin. That's T-H-E-M-E-N-G-U-I-N. So... And I also want to give another special shout out to Mr. Paul White again, who is joining us on the live chat and uh, stayed up till God knows what time it is in the UK. Seriously. Thank you. Crazy late. And and even for you guys here domestically, I know people from uh, the East Coast uh, who are watching, it's super late for you guys too. So Mm. thank you, thank you, thank you. It's super late for us. I'm a grandma. (laughs) (laughs) I had to pry myself away from the futon to come to talk to. <laughs> is that, is dead. that your old lady voice? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. Isn't it? anyway, we were talking about doing failed impressions for 40 minutes, uh, and yeah, so not going to bother doing that. It wasn't that. impressions yeah. so much as it was noises, like the occasional, like like Burgess Meredith Penguin was just wah, 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 wah. <laughs> Anyway, to get back to Ash vs. Evil Dead, because nobody wants to hear our failed oh. impressions <laughs> yes. for the next 40 minutes. All in all, this, to me, felt like Probably the most solid episode of Evil Dead thus of Ash vs. Evil Dead thus far. Yeah. But as a season finale, like for me, I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, that's great. Next week we're gonna get the the next episode, right? Yeah. As a finale, I have so many unanswered questions that bother me. And I know that we got a season two, so I know that I need to just cool my jets. Right, I know, but I <laughs> but I agree with you that like this was a great Episode. It was a very enjoyable episode. Very well constructed. Had that perfect blend of like really creepy, brutal horror, like we see in the Evil Dead remake. Um, But also that that comedy and campiness that we've come to expect since Army of Darkness. That Ash versus Evil Dead has proved it does so well. Great, great episode, but it did not feel like a season finale. To me, it felt like a really good first part of a two-part yeah, season finale. Yeah, totally, totally. You know, it felt like just the very end, there wasn't enough, like, there wasn't that button on the end. It just seemed like it was just a little too open-ended for me. 
it, yeah. It to me makes me wonder, like, what were what was the idea? Because they didn't know when they did this that they were going to get a season two. So if there was no season two, the way they left it, I think, would have been very, very unsatisfying. I completely agree. Knowing though that they're going to pick it up, presumably about the same time next year, at about where they leave it, it it is fine. Like I'm okay with the way that they left it, especially because, as everybody's saying, great. Episode yeah. and definitely, I think the most evil daddy episode yeah. of Actually, the entire um, season. Uh, yeah, who, uh, Paul White uh, agrees with you that it was the most movie like of episode. all of the episodes thus far. Yeah, it, I have to say I agree wholeheartedly with a couple of our Twitter fans who right tweeted ahead. out to us. Yeah, at uh, Chris C M Martinez <laughs> and Felix Smiled Bump. They both have a lot of emotions about this one. <laughs> Chris specifically says, I have more emotions for this episode than the, Necro- than the Necronomicon has crazy demon chicks. <laughs> and that's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot, that's a lot of lot. crazy demon chicks. Yep. <laughs> it's a lot of feels. No, they're, they're, and again, this is it's an excellent episode of both stuff that is genuinely good horror and genuinely good comedy, but at the same time, being a serialized season, there's still a lot of good character beats in yes. here totally you know, yeah. uh, in terms of like that's my Pablo too you know things yeah. things along those lines and you gotta feel bad for poor Heather too you know uh, <laughs> They, they gave us just enough of Heather that I was convinced she might make it until the cabin spat out parts of her really yeah. I- I like. I was gonna say. I sort of thought she might make it. I was Mm-mm. like, as kind of a way to invert the trope because, yeah. at, like, oh. she's talking. She knows she's gonna die. Ash and Kelly are like, yeah, you're gonna die, right? And so, and everybody in the audience is going, yeah, you're gonna die. So I thought it would have been clever of them to actually have let her live after hammering in how much of a dead woman she was. Totally, like, yeah, everything, I agree. everything that happens to her. She watches her friends die, then she gets her. <laughs> leg busted, then the couch is dropped on her, then she gets the nails in her couch is dropped on her leg. And you didn't even mention the bugs through your business. All of that. And she survives all of that. (laughs) So I'm going, okay, you know what, maybe she, oh no, there she goes. Well, for for me, this is very much like you know, we we said it coming in that, you know, she's just there as cannon fodder. But, like, the way she was talking, I felt... <laughs> and how literal that became. Yeah, quite mm-hmm. quite literally. But the... Uh, <laughs> blood she was cannon. Just, blood, yeah, just literally <laughs> shot at poor Kelly. But um, with the way that she was talking, I just can't help but go, like, I wasn't even supposed to be here today! <laughs> yeah! <laughs> because she didn't even want to go on the in the first place. But that's why I felt you bad knew she was doomed. And as soon as you saw those shorts, you were like, it's gonna be bad. This one's gonna be a very bloody upsetting one. It always yeah. is. Well, I, I'm because I, I, I'm a little disappointed that they didn't invert the trope with her. But at the same time, it's like the the like genuinely on the edge mm-hmm. of your seat stuff that they had with her was really good. And again, like I said, it just it kept me really tense and it kept me on the edge of my seat. And more than once, made me go oh yeah. as I'm watching all of this yeah. stuff like happen to her. Yeah, watching that scene with Heather was very. Uh, I definitely cringed and covered my eyes <laughs> many times, especially when the nails started rattling in the wall. I was like, oh, this is going to be terrible. <laughs> when, you know. I don't know if it makes me a horrible person, but watching that, I was fine. I was like, oh, the makeup artistry is great in this. Yeah. All of this is awesome. And they showed the creepy kids, and I was like, I'm out! Yeah. I thought, that, yeah. I thought it was a really nice touch when she and Kelly were both fighting with the house, yeah. and the eye appeared in the wall, and Kelly, like, busted the eye and it like exploded all over Heather like the way they made the blood like really like goopy as goopy, if, it, as yeah. if it was like, like eye jello. guts so I thought that was great it was amazing well, and that stuff too also felt like that could have been Heather's initiation in the same way that Pablo and Kelly yeah, had to get splattered with blood totally. quite extensively early on in the season and then yeah. Yeah, of course that didn't pan out no. No. Um, no, you get decapitated and drop kicked. Uh, with the, I will say <laughs> the drop kick way, was amazing. Amazing. I have to wonder if they took like four or five takes of that, and then they just decided, you know what, Dana's not going to kick it that far. Here, let's just go with that. <laughs> well, because if that wasn't an intentional choice, you could cut around that in so many different ways. So I'm really glad that they just let that play in that one shot. It had to be the most ineffectual punt of the game. <laughs> Well, I I played soccer growing up as a kid, and so I had my fair share of kicks like that, where it's like, it's going across the field. <laughs> Boop. <laughs> <laughs> 
So <laughs> I felt for Kelly in this <laughs> But um but with the with the nails, I actually feel like that was an intentional reference to the remake. And yeah. I, I do want to talk about some of the intentional vagueness with some of the exposition mm-hmm. in this. Because I feel and we we've touched on it before, but I feel like it was a deliberate choice. Specifically yes. to give themselves enough leeway so that they could, uh, moving forward, given them enough time to obtain the rights to Army of Darkness so that next season they can fill in those gaps Absolutely. with details from things that they didn't have the license for initially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's my thought. What Having if- the Army of Darkness in the book like yeah. when he opens yeah. it, that you're was just cool. like, okay... If Can, they don't get the rights to this, then this is a very missed opportunity for everyone involved because mm-hmm, it would yeah. just be so good. It would. And I feel like the story's going to, because they've done excellent without referencing it so far, but I feel like the story really does suffer when you can't talk about the whole history. I, I agree with you. And, and something that we were talking about a little bit was that there is, you know, certainly vagueness in reference to Army of Darkness, and they still haven't been a hundred percent specific about what went down at the cabin in the first place. Yeah, you know what I mean? Because like we saw the flashback to Jake getting killed, but we also saw a flashback of Cheryl right. in, in the basement. Right. I just, and and I mean, basically, what I what I think thus far they are implying is very much what Evil Dead the musical did, which is. All of those stories happened on the same day back to back, which I love. And I'm super okay with that. But like, I would love them to just be blatant about that. Like, I really wanted Cheryl to be in the basement, guys. I just really wanted her to be there. At the end of the first movie, she kind of disintegrated. I know. (laughs) But, but I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you think that they were doing that intentionally for licensing purposes? Or do you think that they're doing it? They're because that, you know, it is a hard to obtain those rights. Right. Do you think that they're just kind of moving the story in their own direction and they're going to fill in those gaps in season two in a completely new way? I think they're stalling. (laughs) I think so, too. You know what I mean? I think it's that they're intentionally leaving it where it could go either way, depending on if they get the rights or not. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. And I have no doubt that if, you know, they cannot acquire the rights for whatever reason... That if, they'll know, be able to work exactly, around it. Exactly. They'll be able to work around it. They'll tell an interesting new story. But I mean, I'm just saying, Ash vs. Evil Dead, like, if you guys need me to just, like, go down to, like, the <laughs> Lorenzo office and, like, knock on the door and be like, yo, Army of Darkness, let's, let's negotiate. Aggressive one-woman yeah. letter-writing I, campaign. Yeah, I'll I just, could, I'll just I could meander <laughs> down to uh, to that office that's right by the, the Universal Park. Yeah, lot, exactly. Be like, hey, guys, yeah. let's, let's, let's have some coffee. Yeah, it's no big deal. go to the Black Tower it's like gonna be fine. I'm sure, they'll let me in. Like, of course, I think anybody who's been a fan of the series up until this point wants to see them be able to play with those toys a little mm. bit because that opens up a lot of really interesting storytelling possibilities. At the same time, this entire franchise's attitude towards continuity in general has always been more or less. <laughs> so that is very very true. It's always been kind of a. Yeah, wibbly wobbly timey wimey whatever yeah exactly well it's kind of like you know like we referenced how like the musical plays around with the story and ultimately like they had to write a different ending to that when it went from Canada to off-Broadway so you know the, you can you can work around it, but it, it is definitely more fun if you can include Army of Darkness. If and, you can uh, include you primitive screwheads, yes. and listen I just, up. And I really just wanted to reference musical because Billy Pollahan said that there yes. needs to be a musical episode of this. <laughs> yes. And it actually says like Buffy, which extra points. Mm-hmm. Well, and Bill. I mean, if you're familiar with um, with Sam Raimi and um, Rob Tappert's other uh, shows, like. Hercules and Xena specifically. They did several musical episodes of Xena and they were brilliant. Well, and I remember uh, a couple of years ago they did Chicago at the Hollywood Bowl and uh, Lucy Lawless was um, oh, she's a great mom, singer. matron mama. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, her her background's in musical theater. So, yeah. uh, so it's kind of a no-brainer. <laughs> I, let's, since, since we're talking about exposition, uh, let's, let's go ahead and since we're talking about Lucy Lawless, let's go ahead and talk specifically about Ruby. Oh, Ruby. Because we, we had like because there was so much vagueness, even at the end mm-hmm. of the last episode with the reveal that she's a dark one, we're still we still weren't sure about her intentions. But when we move into this episode, uh, I I was kind of laughing, and I was telling you Emma before the show started that I got a very Doctor Horrible vibe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the world's a mess, and I just need to rule it. Yeah, 
A hundred percent. Yeah, and and that seems to be Ruby's plan is to consolidate the evil that she will control mm-hmm. and let humanity flourish because without good there is no evil. Right. Talking about that duality again, but. There seems to be so much... I I still have so many Mm -hmm. questions about her and about the Dark Ones. Where did the Dark Ones come from? How many of them are even left? Was she the leader of the Dark Ones because she said she wrote the book? Or was she expelled from the Dark Ones and this is all a power play? That's what I think it is because they called her a traitor (laughs) flat out. I think think you're onto something with that one. I don't know. That's... Oh, well, go ahead. Oh. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. Oh, no, that's okay. Go ahead. Oh, my turn? Okay. Yeah. I, all turn. of a sudden, I'm talking. Um, I have no idea. Other than, like, yes, okay, so we got some insight into specifically what her plan is, but it also doesn't sound like her <laughs> plan works out that much better for everybody than what the Deadites were going to do yeah. on their own. It's just a question of who's at the top. Like, I know. And it's really interesting, I think, with her story because I think there still is some room for interpretation in regards to whether what she's claiming of like, oh, well, the, you know, the, the evil's gonna, evil's always gonna be here, so I might as well rule it. Or if it's, or if she really legitimately is like, I'm just gonna take over the world with all my evil demons. <laughs> you know what I mean? She flat out is like, I just want it to go back to when the Dark Ones ruled over. And it's like, yeah. Well, yeah, of course you want to be. Like, she's like, I just want to be in charge of everything. And it just be cool. Like, when everybody was all, like, cool with me, right, bro? (laughs) Yeah, I wonder if this is, like, okay, guys, have you ever seen The Dark Crystal? Okay? So, in that movie, (laughs) the Chamberlain gets banished. And he's like, I'm going to go get one of these Gelflings. And then the Skeksis are going to accept me again. I feel like that could be going on here. So, just substitute Crystal for one. Yeah, exactly. The correct dark. Yeah, the dark one. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) It's the same difference. And she says a lot of really nice sounding stuff about how, yes, I'm going to shepherd all of the evil over here and people will, they'll be okay the whole life without, without, there's no evil, et cetera, et cetera, cetera. puppets, so like, it ties in. But the very first thing that happens after Ash makes this deal with her is that massive sinkholes start opening all over the entire planet. Mm -hmm. So... Uh. (laughs) She's she's a massive manipulator, and I wonder if, like, she really does believe that she can contain all the evil that... I think she absolutely believes she can. So, but, like, whether or not she actually can, because, assume, like, I feel like in order for that to be true, she has to be the only dark one left. And we've gotten no word as to what happened to them in the first place. True. Why she feels the need, like, she needs to take power, and... Again, whether or not they were all banished and it was Ash reading from the book that brought her back, if it brought back all of them, or if they've all just been lying low for reasons, (laughs) for question mark reasons. Reasons? And I don't know if, like, she's naive enough, because she's old and wise, I don't know if she's naive enough to think, yeah, I can do all this without there being any repercussions towards me, just so she can be like, I'm queen of the castle, I'm queen of the castle. Right, right. I, I don't know. I just, I like I said, I just have a lot of questions yeah. in terms of, like, logistics and, like, long-term planning on her part. <laughs> I, You know, I think that, again, like, she... 100% believes that she can control the evil, but I think we as the audience know that she absolutely cannot. Well, or, we see Ash too in this episode say, you know, like when he's kind of mumbling you've to himself, made things, like, way you've made worse. things way worse than me, mm-hmm. but she has the same stubborn Ash mentality of, no, I'm control I'm in control of the situation that we've seen with all of the characters that think they're in control. They're not in any way, shape, or form to the point that it's comedic. But for Ruby, it's like, no, you're just going to well, dick up our world. Yeah. Stop it. And I really wonder <laughs> what exactly she does want in terms of like accomplishing. Because I get to take over the world. I, I get that to an extent. But when like Amanda the Deadite came in, she wasn't able to control her. You know, she had the Necronomicon in her yeah. hand. She had a Kandarian de- like dagger in her hand. And when Amanda flies in, she's dumbfounded. And I don't know if that's because she had genuine emotion for Amanda or if that was just a, huh, that's happening right now. <laughs> well, 
Pablo, come with me. (laughs) Way to be a good distraction, buddy. Like, knowing, like, she had to have known going down into the basement that Ash was going to chop her up with a chainsaw. And if you had any compassion for your former friend, you think... Oh, that Amanda was going to get chopped up with a chainsaw. Yeah. Exactly. If you have any compassion for her, like, you would think that kind of intervening, even with her in this form, like, would kind of be a priority for Ruby if she cared about her at all. I don't buy that she cared about her at (laughs) all. Yeah, I don't either. Here's my thing, too, is I feel like the Deadites are their version of zombies. They're kind of like, they're, I mean, they they very much are in that we see, you know, if you get killed by the Deadites, like, you can absolutely come back as a Deadite. But I feel like they're kind of low on the food chain in terms of Kandarian demons. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Ruby seemed to be much more interested in playing mom to these weird, (laughs) creepy creepy children, which, again, shout out to the makeup department because they looked fabulous. And they were actual children. They were actual (laughs) children (laughs) in full body suits, painted in special effects makeup. I did like that they, that the presence of these kids did touch on the fact that what's happening at the cabin right now, though, like, this stuff is monumental, it's, like, what's happening with Ash and Kelly and Pablo is small potatoes compared to, like, going out into the world. Because these little demon kids run right... We see one run behind Kelly and doesn't come back and attack her. And then we see one scare the the living daylights out of her coming out of the uh, basement. And he just runs right past her and runs up to her with a flashlight. And then that one disappears, too. These people to these demons that are running around... They are not important. Mm-hmm. It is not important mm-hmm. to take out Ash and his friends because they are small fries mm-hmm. at this point. And that's kind of an unsettling thought. Very yeah. much so. Yep. Because if I saw one of those creepy demon children <laughs> running towards me, I would be jumping in the nearest sinkhole. <laughs> because I'll be like, I'll take my chance. We, we rewatched the episode just before we started recording because yeah. we, we all watched last night. We couldn't wait. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, at that part where Ash is fighting it and sticks his fingers and the oh. kid's eyes. Oh. Elena straight up got up and went, gotta go. <laughs> I can't do it. Walked yeah. away from I can't. Yeah. Kids by themselves are creepy enough. Aww. Don't add all the more... I love You've the seen The Shining. Kids. Come on. <laughs> kids are terrifying. They are. Come play Children's with us. No. Forever. I, oh, go ahead, Lex, and then I, I wanted to bring oh, up another I was point. just going to say, I love, too, that they're still dropping Three Stooges references in, because the eye poke was very much a Three Stooges thing, yeah. which has been a part of a lot of what Why, Raimi's yeah, done they, since the beginning of his they career. They have. I mean, they, they brought in a lot of that, like, sort of dancing the line of slapstick comedy without going over the edge to the point that it's just like, okay, I can't watch this like, anymore. seeing the demon kid, like, crawl yeah. around Ash, and, like, as he's, like, trying to flail him up. Yeah, it's yeah. very, very there are, funny. There are few joys in life greater or more profound than watching Bruce Campbell fight something tinier than he is. <laughs> yeah. yeah I'll is. give you that. It did kind of remind Some, me of an upgraded version of the doll. Yeah. yeah which I was and, like, nice pick And sometimes he even fights smaller versions of himself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's adorable. Uh, but what were you saying? I just said, before before we move on because we did we did touch on Amanda very briefly. Um, there's a there's a lot of conversation going on in the chat in regards to the character of Amanda. Um, a debate as to whether or not she was sort of a wasted character. So like some people feel that she is, and other people feel that she wasn't. That she was an important story element because you did need to have a character die that you were emotionally invested in. Here is the thing: I think Amanda as she was was a was kind of a waste of a character. If be but when I was watching this episode, I was thinking when she came back and she was like, you know, hi sweetie or whatever she said to Ash, I was like, you know, Ash needs that kind of love interest character because he always has one. And I would have preferred if she were not Amanda. You know what I do you, do you guys know like what I mean if by that? He had gotten a different love interest. Yeah, that wasn't Fisher, so that Fisher could have still been important. Yeah, so Fisher could have been the badass that she was meant to be. Because uh, we we see we see parallels with both Amanda and Kelly in terms of being a primordial Ash, in terms of being like yeah. Um, and I I was really rooting for Amanda from the very beginning. Like, no, if you me guys, too. If you guys go back and re-listen to those episodes, I will tell you guys you will hear me talk about how excited I am for Amanda's storyline because she's starting off 
without any help, without any yeah. context for what's going on. And, and she's doing so outside of the cabin. Totally. So it's somebody who is out of their element, fighting against these forces of evil, trying to piece everything together yeah. without anyone's guidance. She doesn't have a book to tell no, her no. that these are ancient Kandarian demons that are possessing people. She, you know, the only thing she had was a vague lead leading well, to Ash. I think part of it, too, is because she's such a foil to Ash because she trusts her gut so much. And we see Ash constantly even you know this one Kelly saying don't take the deal don't do mm-hmm. he just constantly rejects his own gut instinct and having Amanda there who has no reference who has no yeah. source and is just like I have a hunch I have a feeling this is who I need to go after this is what I need to go do yeah and up until her end it was leading her down a really cool path that for as the audience being like you know, in this scenario, mm-hmm. that would be who you would connect with is the people who are taken completely out of their element, Pablo, Kelly, and Amanda. So having her picked off without having it rounded yeah. out felt like what Yeah, that, a little well, more. That was one hundred percent how I felt. I just felt that like she was on this really she had this really interesting character trajectory and then it just took like a hard left turn and she was dead. And and I get it. I get every show is trying in some way, shape, or form to try to be the Walking Dead, to try to be Game of Thrones. Right. And be like, we gotta keep the audience on their toes by killing off a character. And I I get that, guys. But yeah. at the same time, in the way that Amanda was killed off, and we got a we got a little bit of crap for it because we were so upset by, you know, and we spent a good portion of our podcast talking about yeah. how upset we were. The problem is, is that she got fridged, guys. Yeah. Yes. And I know that when you guys say, well, no, this needed to happen, it's like, well, it, sure, somebody needed to die, but the way that she d- and, it, and again... It was very disappointing. It was very disappointing, and again, for everybody making the argument that she needed to die, they always say she needed to die for Ash's emotional mm-hmm. growth, and I'm like, mm-hmm. no, because he hasn't. He hasn't, because he's... And in fact, if they were going to use, and it was never 100% clear on the the love interest. I mean, obviously, like, Ash had some interest in her. It was unclear as to whether those feelings were actually mutual or was just mutual in Ash's head. But if they were going to go the route of Amanda being a love interest character, there was an interesting partner dynamic developing there. That I could have gone with. Sure. Yeah, no, they dance together very well. Yeah. They dance, fight awesomely together. Yeah. I, but I think that they actually pretty blatantly spelled out that she was interested in him because her entire personality changed. Well, and, I feel like they yeah. wrote her, they wrote her to be interested in him after she joined their posse. Yeah. And I, mm-hmm. that, and that was kind of it, a weird development. It felt a little forced. We talked a lot, the episode where she died, we talked a Mm -hmm. lot about how that was the first time really where the pacing of the entire season felt off. And for Mm -hmm. me personally, I still think almost every issue I have with the way that character was handled from inception to her eventual demise could have all been fixed with one additional I episode, giving, yeah. giving it uh, more context, like that shift in her personality, yeah, while all of a totally. sudden she ends suddenly, making her death a resolution to her story, her making story. it matter for her more, as opposed to, yeah, like we're talking like, about. oh, we, we killed her to make Ash feel bad for a whole ten minutes. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. and of course he's well, the last well, character you would need to do that for, because that's not what's gonna happen. No, uh, yeah, no, but what I, kind of looking at this season in, like, in context as a season as a whole, I'm looking at her and I go, wouldn't it have been interesting if either A, they let her live so that she could see Ruby's betrayal, mm-hmm. or B, Ruby killed her. Yeah. yeah. Ruby killed her so specifically interesting. because Amanda was going to try to stop her. And she's like, I'm sorry, I hate to do this to a friend, but you're in my way. And then killed her Stab. that way. And yeah. then that we would have gotten more about Ruby's personality, way, too. Exactly. Way more compelling, way more interesting, and way more tragic yeah. than just, oh, now won't Ash feel bad. Isn't yeah. it ironic so that you fell on antlers? Like, it's yeah. like, okay. It, it the, was the, my, my one major disappointment this season. Yeah. I, I will say that and unanswered questions. Yeah. (laughs) The chat seems to have the consensus that they all feel that the mistake with Amanda was the love interest arc. Yeah. And Ash Dead 86 said that he thinks that Amanda should have stayed in the mode of just hunting down Ash. And it's not really believable that she was able to just switch from hunting Mm -hmm. somebody to loving them that she thought. Yeah. Yeah. I, 
and now I will say that like I I'm probably more reactionary to this show in particular for one because I'm absolutely loving this show sure. and two because I I feel like I've been watching a lot of shows lately where certain very compelling characters were fridged mm-hmm. and I feel like this is just like the the straw that broke the camel's back and that now I'm just angry about all those other characters getting fridged yeah. and that this is just like the pinnacle of it where I'm like I'm not gonna take it anymore <laughs> <laughs> you're Heather I wasn't even supposed to be here I wasn't even supposed to be here today I'm, not, I'm not gonna take it anymore um, but anyway yeah we, we should probably move on yes um we mentioned uh, Kelly fighting the house uh, and uh, along with Heather fighting the house. I want to give Kelly credit because she's the only person outside of the remake that thought, hey, burning this place to the ground, <laughs> that sounds like a solid idea. Yeah. <laughs> Kelly's smart. I, was I gonna, love her. Yeah, she is. She's very smart. And I, and I want to say that, like, Kelly was the one, like, in this episode, I was so not disappointed with anything that happened with her. I just feel like this was an A-plus episode for Kelly. When she got kicked out of the cabin, I was like, oh no, is something awful going to happen with trees? And then it didn't. And, and then she's like, nope. She fought lit back. the house on yeah, fire. She lit the cabin on fire. It was amazing. Well, this was my she, favorite Kelly episode. Yeah, because oh. she tries to break open the windows with a giant rock, and she tried her best to save Heather to no avail. Yeah. But when it's very clear that the house is purposely trying to keep her out to keep her from helping Ash and Pablo, she's like, I'm not going to take this lying down. I'm going to burn it with my homemade flamethrower, Pablo would be happy to hear that I made my own flamethrower. I love, too, that Heather even says, you know, well, let's go. Let's just leave now. We'll be fine if we leave right now. And her reaction is, are you high? My friends are down there. <laughs> right. I'm going to do everything I can to save my friends. And just in that moment, you're like, oh, I am with and Kelly always. In a lot of ways, in, this, in that determination of, like, I'm going to go in there and save the people that matter to me, she was more more heroic than Ash was in two out of three movies. Yeah, because like, yeah, his motivation mo- was mostly to survive. But I don't think he ever actually dove into danger until he decided in Army of Darkness, I'm not going to run anymore. Yeah, yeah, totally. I, I love too that this episode felt very much for both Pablo and Kelly like a culmination, almost an inevitable culmination of everything they've been doing in the season up until this point. Mm-hmm. For Kelly, it's very much becoming her own version of Ash. Yeah, and for Pablo. Even though Pablo ended up, in a sense, sidelined from a lot of the action, vomiting up the weird Ugh. baby sacks creepy the entire time. baby demons. That's <laughs> almost like a creepy baby demon vomit. Um, this is almost like the darkest version of what he's been doing all season as well, where he's he's been coming into his own as well, but he's still very much, especially in his relationship with Kelly, been like a puppy dog the entire yeah. season. And, and here... And he's, he even sees himself as Ash's sidekick. Totally. And, and here he's effectively Ruby's pet. That she yeah. keeps in the basement. Ugh. Which was very <laughs> distressing to see, but it made perfect sense, given well, where he's been till now. And they he he mentioned a couple episodes ago when they're chilling in the diner that he... Because uh, when Ash is going, like, guys, I can't have a team. I'm an alone wolf, you know... But I can't have a team because you're going to get possessed. I'm going to have to cut your heads off and nobody's going to have fun with that. And Pablo specifically said, I would be honored if you cut my head off, sir. And then in this episode, when Ash is refusing to fight him, actually tried to take the chainsaw to cut his own head off. Like, that's heart-wrenching to watch Pablo have to do that. But he's still being as proactive as he possibly can in this scenario. I also love just the quintessential Ash moment of, Pablo, you forgot to remind me to gas it up. <laughs> you beautiful <laughs> idiot. It's like it's Ash. Ash. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. Even when you're like being nice, you're a dick. Like, come on. There was also, there was that one moment right after he gets up after falling down the stairs where he goes, Pedro. No, I mean, wait, Pablo, what? And that almost felt like he flubbed a line and they kept it in because it was fantastic. Because it was funny. I must have whacked my beer. That was kind of funny. That's so good. Uh, yeah, I think that I think that would be hilarious if you loved a line and they just like because like, it was such a, it. it was a fantastic moment, but it 
felt really odd. <laughs> I don't, it felt very organic to me. So I feel like, yes, he actually just flubbed the line. And they're like, nah, we're just going to go with Keep it. it. <laughs> Keep it. I, I will say, I am a fan of, like, the, the possession trope where somebody's, like, possessed, but they're still aware of it. I think that that's personally more compelling than when, like, somebody just gets possessed by a dead eye and they're just, like, there's nothing you can do about right. it. Mm-hmm. I like seeing that internal and external struggle. I think it's very interesting. Yeah. Some people are like, eh, whatever. I don't like that. I've seen that too many times. What do you guys think? I like the struggle. I liked everything that was going Like, <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 It sounds weird to be like, I liked what was going on with Pablo in this episode. <laughs> but I mean, it's something that I said previously. Like, if there's anyone who's gonna be able to fight and hold on to their humanity in the face of well, literally being sort of possessed the face, by the yeah. Necronomicon, I In guess. In the face of a face. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be Pablo because he's such a quintessentially good person. Now, we do have one other loose thread that we hadn't necessarily... We talked about it last week, and we didn't get a resolution to it. What the deal? What's the deal with his medallion? We never really got an explanation as to why it reacts to the Necronomicon in the way that it does, Mm -hmm. and why the Necronomicon... I'm having a hard time talking about (laughs) it. It's a hard word. Necronomicon was attracted to him... Because of it, or or if that was even she the case, she calls at all. him the Aura Magnus ne- Necronomicon, which I'm like, what is that? She's like, shut up, you're the, and then this weird thing, and I was like, yeah. what does that mean? Is that has anything to do with the necklace, or is it just like was it your just face a was coincidence? Here? Was the necklace trying to warn him, like, hey, you might want to watch out for that giant floating <laughs> face? Maybe you should run away. <laughs> I would love that. If that was the to. necklace's point. Was that it's we like gotta a go. compass we gotta go. for evil? That just should, and it's like there, there, it's, it's right evil there, evil there, evil there. It's coming at your face. It's coming at your face. Move it. So I, I don't know. This is one of the, like I said, one of the frustrating things about this being the season finale is like, I still have so many questions, but there are so many vague possibilities. And as much as I enjoy theorizing with people, I'm like, I also like answers. I agree. (laughs) You know, what's interesting is, um, you know, something that they were talking about in the chat was that the ending was very, very open-ended, as are the ending to the Evil Dead films. However, the Evil Dead films, I would argue, are more of a complete story. Where it's certainly open. I mean, the ending of Evil Dead 2 is certainly open-ended. But it told a complete story within the context of that film. I feel this is an incomplete story. Yeah, Mm -hmm. especially because, like, we're driving off, and you can even see Mm -hmm. the frustration on Pablo and Kelly's faces. Yeah. We didn't get an answer. This was a... Like, this is the end of the world, and now we're just going to have to go back to the cabin later on. It's like, guys, I kind of wanted to... I kind of wanted to put a pin in that. Mm-hmm. As much as I love The Cabin because it makes for great horror and nostalgia, yes, I kind of want to put a pin I in it. I agree with you. Yeah. I and, and in the ending, when he was making the deal with Ruby regarding going to Jacksonville, I almost felt like he had a plan. <laughs> Which I did, too, just yeah. because they already showed, here is the option, here is her creepy deadite voice, take it. And I, he right. does it. So that's the end of that. And oh, what's, wait. What's kind of funny, too, is the way she was describing it, it sounded like she was going to, like, send him and them back in time to, yeah. like, to act as an undo button. But she didn't. All it was yeah. was him, like, handing, you know, grabbing yeah. onto the postcard and her going, well, here's some money for gas. Uh have a great day. Have a great yeah. day. Yeah, like, I could have done that. <laughs> really, it'd be a dark no one. To do. The deal <laughs> as she laid it out to Ash was you can go and have a normal life. Fine. You want to bring your friends? Fine. You can all go and have normal lives. But yeah, it seems like what the deal actually is is no, you're just going to die in Jacksonville. <laughs> yeah. Here, <laughs> die later. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was almost expecting her to like cast an evil spell on them and to make them think that they were in this other realm when really they're just still hanging out in the cabin as she's like doing her evil magic or whatever. Trying to take over the world. Yeah, it just I, becomes a weird Twin Peaks scenario. Yeah! like <laughs> I would watch that. <laughs> I would watch that every day. But, but now they're just on a road trip to somewhere else trying to avoid the sinkholes and going la 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 la, nothing bad is happening, la 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 la, let's put on ACDC, but strangely enough, not put on hell, Highway to Hell. Maybe that That's song confusing. was more expensive? 
Uh, probably. No. There was a lot of odd decisions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do think him making the deal did feel a little bit like, okay, well, we want a second season, so let's do this so that we don't solve everything right here. But if you're going to go that way, I did think the deal that he made was interesting in that it both demonstrates a little bit of growth for him because he wants to make sure that the deal includes his, his friends, back, yeah. while also demonstrating how little he's grown in that he's doing that, but he's still he's, taking the easiest he's possible route. He's short-sighted enough to think that this is actually an option right. and that she'll actually keep her word yeah. or that she will be an effective gatekeeper of evil. Yeah. Whatever that means. Yeah. What does that mean <laughs> that you're just going to contain evil? Oh, I want humanity to flourish. But like as a as like pets, as like domesticated yeah. cats, as Pablo as like we just well, watch yeah. what she thinks of the humans. Dead like what? Need people to victimize and eat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they she need to be weird with, husks for their children. Good, to make there them is the no bags. evil. Yeah. And I'm wondering if these demon children that were created, who they actually did have a name, but uh, I was reading it in the cap. It's like Darkos something or other, but I don't remember what it was. Uh, Demon so baby feel, Latin feel, feel free to correct name. me in the chat uh, or the comments, whatever. <laughs> but um, I'm wondering if these are actually meant to combat deadites who are clearly not on board with Ruby doing what she's doing. Yeah. Or if they're going to grow, because they do look like children, Kids, if they're yeah. going to grow into even more grotesque and awesome demons like we got with Eligos. Because as cool as these kids were, I feel like Eligos was like where we peaked in terms of makeup, which it was awesome. But I thought we were going to keep like raising the bar yeah, after that. They were kind of Eligos esque. So maybe they're little baby Eligos. Eligoses. Eligos. That was my first thought when Pablo vomited up the sack, was that it looked like the little sad potato <laughs> picture oh, of Eligos in the book. Yeah, like who's making a bunch of them? Yeah, it's terrifying. It's the grossest potato ever. I really feel like I almost would have rather they ended things with the cabin. I mean, I'm I'm thrilled to see Ruby come back, most likely in season two, because I love Lucy Lawless, and there's so many unanswered questions about her character, but. I almost would have preferred, I think, if they'd wrapped up, they just wrapped it up a little more with the cabin, and it's like, yeah, we did a thing, but then they unleashed, you know, more demons, like right. like more baby Elegai upon <laughs> yeah. humanity. Well, and I, I really just kind of want the deleted scene of all of them, like, just kind of standing around awkwardly, and then, like, leaving the cabin and looking to see him, <laughs> I know. see it still on fire, and go, oh. Should somebody... No, okay, she'll take care of it, whatever. And then, like, hop in the car and then sit in the car for a couple minutes very, very awkwardly as Pablo and Kelly are just fuming at him. (laughs) I want that deleted scene because, to me, that's what had to happen. We had that fade to white and then they're in the car. Yeah. I thought something magical was going to happen. Yeah. I don't know. I don't... But but all in all, uh, again, kind of just... Dialing it back because we're going to have to start making predictions soon. Mm-hmm. Overall thoughts on this season. This was a hell of a ride. Yeah, it yeah. was a lot of fun. I mean, and I and I think, you know, for the first, gosh, probably six or seven episodes, it was just on point. It was so, so good. Uh, and then, you know, it misstepped a little for me towards the end. But overall, I really enjoyed it. And... When it started to misstep, we had the added, like, fun nostalgia factor of being back at the cabin, so that sort of offset it. Yeah. Uh, I will say that this is, like, there aren't very many shows that are straight-up horror comedy. Yeah. And I want to say that, and there are a couple on right now, uh, definitely there are more horror shows going on with the zombie craze that's still lingering, strangely enough. Mm -hmm. Um, But... I will say that this was probably my favorite horror show of the year. Yeah. Uh, it's like, I I had so much fun. But yeah, I agree. I feel like it misstepped in the last couple episodes there, starting with the Militia one, where I was like, this feels a little fillery. And then from there, anytime it would like do something really great, it would do something minor that I'm like, I don't, I don't know how I feel about that. So 
all in all really great, but I'm really hoping that they loosen up their licensing stuff so that they can really tighten up the story for the mm-hmm. next season. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say for me, certainly not perfect, and obviously we've talked about little things that we didn't necessarily think worked, but as a season one of a TV show, and season ones almost invariably have to figure out what, what they're doing, how they want to do yeah. it, they have some kinks they got to sort out. I think incredibly strong, incredibly assured first season. Yeah. Um, also proved pretty conclusively that you don't need Sam Raimi to be there on set mm-hmm. every single day to tell a story set in this world, which is great. I think all they got to do really is just maybe smooth out a couple of the rough edges, uh, tweak a eh, little, little bit, a little bit. Um, pacing, maybe. It needs some tweaking, yeah. But not huge. To me, the the flaws are relatively minor, especially when compared with all of the stuff that this show is doing really, really, really well that, like, as you say, no other show on TV is doing what they're doing. Yeah, I think that the the quality of the show is what makes things like the missed opportunity with Amanda Fisher's character really egregious, because everything else is so good. Mm -hmm. I completely agree, because in a series that was not as strong as this one is overall, that wouldn't have been as glaringly obvious. Yeah. I am just really pleased that this show has been so phenomenal because when they announced it, I think everybody kind of had the same, oh, please be good. Please be good. Please be good. good." (laughs) We've been waiting for this for 30 years. Yeah, and just from the very first episode, when you watch it, you're like, okay. Okay. I'm home. It's going to be all right. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And it's just, it's one that I hope that they will consider doing 45-minute episodes because I feel like a lot of the problems with it are because you are putting a horror and a comedy sub-genre in one, and in order to fully get that and not have it have weird pacing problems, 22 minutes isn't a lot of minutes. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping that they'll either do more episodes that are linked a little bit better, more episodic-esque, <laughs> um, or make the episodes longer so that we get more of a complete story in each episode without it feeling like they have to cut. Yeah. Cut corners. I would be there. very... I, now that it's all out, I would be very interested to kind of binge watch it because yeah. with the half-hour format, it's it would be interesting to see like how all the episodes kind of string together back-to-back back because to back it to is back. very much... Uh, that episode ends and we pick up exactly where that episode mm-hmm. left off and continue. Yeah, I feel like a lot of these grievances I have with the finale of season one would not exist if I had been binging this as I binge sure. mm-hmm. other shows. Sure. And if season two was right there for me to go, oh, okay, yes, I will continue watching Netflix. Yep. Thank you yes. for yes. asking me. Like, I'm a little insulted, but thank you for asking If it was a Netflix original me. series where they give you all of them at once yeah. and it's made to be binge-watched then I would be a little bit more lenient. But having to wait a week, I'm like, give me, well, give me, give now, me more, give me more. And, and I go, of course, we get that too, but like now we have to wait until probably October. <laughs> and I'm like, hmm, about that. I want it now. But then that gives you that gives you plenty of time to go back over season one, see how the pacing plays when you watch them all back to back to back to back to back, back, form new theories, get super excited about stuff that may happen and probably won't. Um, Two things I think are really cool. One is that there is now that this season is completed about twice as much Evil Dead in the world as there was before. I think that's cause for celebration. That makes my heart super super warm. Um, The other thing is we live in an age now where we are constantly getting either reboots or these long gap sequels. And there were a bunch of them that came out this year. Some of them were really good and some of them were really not good. Uh, And and we've got more coming in 2016. And this, to me, is one of the best that I've seen. Mm -hmm. It's like Fury Road... Force Awakens, yes. Ash vs. Evil Dead. Yeah, totally. Like, it could yeah, be Mad so Max true. or it could be Jim and the Holograms. And it uh, could have gone either way. Uh, and thank God <laughs> that it wasn't that grown-worthy <laughs> chunk of sadness. I. It could have been. It could have been It could have been truly outrageous. Oh, truly, truly outrageous. Truly outrageous. <laughs> well, good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. <laughs> okay, let's go ahead and move into predictions. We are running late, so let's move into what we think is going to happen now, in season two. You're after Buzz TV predictions. Just 
demons. <laughs> this time, so many Kandarian demons. I'm sorry, Kandarian demons. demons. We have we, to be fancy when we speak yes, about Kandarian Every time that we have this debate, I hear Rocket Raccoon in my head going, Kandarians. <laughs> what a bunch of losers. <laughs> that was pretty good. That was pretty good. Not yeah, bad. Not bad. We're going to do bad ones. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, so, season two, obviously, we have Ash heading to Jacksonville. I don't think it's going to take long for him to realize that this is not the utopia he he played it out to be in his mind. What I'm wondering is how long in terms of this world invasion, like how long is it actually going to take for demons to overrun the world? Because right now sinkholes are just popping up everywhere. everywhere. But at the same time, it's like you, you do have to keep in mind the show's budget and whether or not they're going to be able to in any way, shape or form illustrate that demons are taking over the entire planet. Yeah. I, I, I like as much as I love this show. I'm like, man, I really, really hope they give them a higher budget for season two because they're being really ambitious. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. at, at no, like, at no point during the Evil Dead film franchise did I ever feel like the entire world was going to be overrun right. with demons. Even in Army of Darkness, when there was a literal army of, of demons, dark, yeah. I, I really felt like it was just that castle that was in trouble. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. I mean, it was, it's kind of like... Um, how the Resident Evil video game series evolves where it's like it's just the mansion and then it's just Raccoon City and then it just like kind of slowly spreads and I wonder if that's what's happening right now because it's not like again they weren't magically transported to Jacksonville they're literally on a road trip there so for all we know they're not actually that far away from the cabin just yet. And it's it's a very awkward road trip too. Like I don't know how long we're going to stick in the car with Pablo and Kelly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Lord. I'm thinking you can see right into season two just the stereotypical, here's the postcard, lower it, and oh, that's what Jacksonville is. Well, forget <laughs> this. This yeah. wasn't worth it. Let's yeah. go back to that cabin and have a chat with this Ruby girl. <laughs> I hope Maybe. they don't do a walking I want dead, a refund. Though, and just show us news footage should be like here it is you know we get a little bit of the radio report yeah and i could see them potentially just having news reports well, as the only as, source as much as i like walking dead which i do i love walking dead but it has some serious pacing problems and there's a lot of just in like i feel like there are entire seasons of just wandering in the woods mm-hmm. with nothing happening uh-huh. yes mm-hmm. uh, yeah. again i love walking, walking dead, dead guys pacing i'm not hating on walking would dead would not work for this show <laughs> no <laughs> i i don't think i can take an entire season of pablo ash and kelly wandering around in the woods as the rest of humanity crumbles. Like, that's not something I'm interested in seeing. I'm interested in seeing, okay, how are we going to get Ash back in the mindset of we have to fight this because nobody else can or will? Or, that's another question, are there going to be other characters like we had with Amanda who are going to try to combat what's going on? Yeah. I would like to see that. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. I would love I would love to see another Amanda esque character that didn't that didn't end meet up the like same Amanda. Thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <sighs> Guys, I, I want to write to somebody. And be like, <laughs> this is why this was problematic. <laughs> so here's something else they could do if and when they want to keep the show going, but don't know how to keep pushing this arc. Uh, I believe in this episode somewhere as an Easter egg, they threw the Freddy Krueger glove into the cabin somewhere. (laughs) So there are comic books that were published for years and years and years after Army of Darkness when there were no more movies happening where they put Ash up against everybody you could think of, whether it's Freddy Krueger and Jason or like the reanimator. So I'm just going, especially if the the long gap sequel reboot trend continues, just do that every season. versus Predator versus Ash. Done. (laughs) Done. It will run for for 50 years. <laughs> I love that's uh, great. I mean, there, there were, a, like I said, there were a lot of fun references. Actually, I will I will point out one other reference I did like was him taking, you know, his hair dye mm-hmm. and running a streak through his hair. If you guys remember in Evil Dead 2, he had a streak of gray. And we yeah. know that Ash has been dyeing his hair because he got older, but I thought right. that that one streak, I was like, that's a nice little nod. 
I also enjoyed when uh, Amanda said she was going to swallow his soul. Yes. Yeah. But I was real sad that he yeah. didn't shoot her in the mouth and say, swallow <laughs> this. <laughs> uh, we could have had it all. But at least we did get to have him not blowing the head off of a demon, but the body off of the head of a demon. Yeah. Well, and, and I'm kind of disappointed nice that I, I don't get an answer to my question of whether or not a person post-dying actually can be brought back because even in Evil Dead 2, when uh, when Annie started singing, um, the the Deadite recognized it, and you could see emotion go across the face, even though Henrietta was very clearly dead. Mm-hmm. So I I uh, I am a little disappointed again, just tying things back to Amanda. And I don't want to harp on that. No, because, no, no. Again, there was a lot of fun stuff going on. Yeah, season two opens with Heather just all the way back. To just... <laughs> Hey guys, you're just the head, just like, <laughs> just like bouncing along. along through the woods, waiting for somebody else to kick it so it moves a little faster. <laughs> I love it. Again, it'll be interesting if it's Ruby versus the Deadites versus Ash, or uh, I don't know, maybe Freddy Krueger will pop up. It'll be a lot <laughs> of fun. so great. If it's, if it's call Robert England. What's he doing? <laughs> I bet he would love to do that. Conventions. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> they're working on another reboot. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Yes. Anywho, do you guys have any other comments before we wrap it up for this? evening and this season. Anything else in the live chat we want to bring up? Any any other notions or predictions or just overall commentary? I just really enjoyed when Ash was arming everybody to go into the basement and he's like, I'm gonna, I gotta protect the people I love. And Kelly's like, that includes me. Right. And he's like, oh <laughs> she yeah, definitely. And, and Heather's like, and me. He's like, yeah, other girl. <laughs> <laughs> just stay close to her. <laughs> So good. I feel like it's that college humor skit uh, for Jurassic Park. Uh, they actually got the <laughs> lawyer from Jurassic Park back for the skit. And he's like, wait a minute. I'm only here to die, aren't I? <laughs> no, no, of course <laughs> That's not. That's great. Oh, yeah? What's my name? Uh, uh, <laughs> victim. So, yeah. <laughs> Did they do that joke in Galaxy Quest? Yes. Yep. Yeah. They did that definitely too. But, yeah. but they had an entire skit. Anyway. Anyway. Anybody? Anybody else? Any other thoughts? I think I'm. I'm really excited for season two. I don't think we're gonna get the Walking Dead meandering. Mm, just no. because with Walking Dead there is no source of. They don't know where it came from. They don't know how to stop it. Ash knows mm-hmm. this started with him. It is his quest to end it. So I think we're going to get some strong story arcs, strong central dramatic questions, and hopefully some answers. Hopefully some answers would Mm -hmm. be nice. Lex, any other thoughts? I'm just excited. Yeah, it's um, going to be fun. Yeah. Also, I don't know what the context was, but a minute ago in the chat, our friend Paul White said that Scotland was haunted. All of it? <laughs> it is. All, like the Facts. whole, the yeah, whole Facts. No, guys, as someone who, my family is from Scotland, I am first generation American on my dad's side. I've been to Scotland many times. Uh, and entire, she's a ghost. The, yeah, I am actually a ghost. <laughs> and I'm just going to disapparate now. No, but the entire country is is fairly haunted. Listen, guys, there were like clan, haunted. there were like clan wars happening for years in Scotland. There was there were, that crazy. Uh, like clan of cannibals. Yeah, they were like They're... very, very, very fond of like beheading monarchs there as well. Why do so... you guys think Macbeth is a ghost story? <laughs> season three, season three, Ash <laughs> Scotland. Well, what I'm, what I'm really pulling for in season two, not, not just you know the the things that we've talked about, but I also really want another dark one to pop up, or possibly even multiple dark ones to yeah. pop up and go, you can't do this, Ruby. Yeah! Yes! Like, we won't let All you. All the dark ones. And I really want, like, a, a dark one turf war and make it even more yep. godfathery. Yep. And, yeah. and that's the musical episode and it's West Side Story, but with Deadites? That would be the oh, greatest episode great. of television When you're of all, a Deadite! <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. This is all I want now in, yeah. this, in this life. That is all I want. Well, guys, we want to thank you guys for tuning in to listen. We want to know in the comments, please, like I said, go to iTunes, go to YouTube. We love hearing from you guys. Tweet us on Twitter. Yeah. We want to know what are your guys' predictions for season two. What did you like about this season? What did you not like? What do you yeah. think could have been fleshed out a little bit more? What do you want them to work on in season two? Do you think our predictions have any weight? Or do you think we are off our rockers? We want to hear from you. <laughs> guys so we want again thank you so much to everybody Yay. on the hashtag everybody in the live chat for for yes. staying up and tuning in with us go pass out paul you're yeah. drunk go home <laughs> you're drunk go home <laughs> <laughs> and-
Emma Fife, where can people go if they want to find you? Oh, to the internet, uh, <laughs> Twitter, Instagram, at Emma Fife. I'm very active uh, in both of those places. Uh, I also do a bunch of other shows here at AfterBuzz TV. A lot of them are on hiatus right now, but uh, Face Off will be coming back very soon, uh, as well as uh, Agent Carter, which I'm very, very excited to be joining the panel for I'm this so season. I'm so glad you're uh, on the team. I know, and I also do a Sailor Moon podcast, because I like zombies, and I also like Magical Girls, uh, <laughs> and that is called Love and Justice, so you should look that up. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> and Elena. she also haunts castles and stuff. I do, yeah. Full roster. I'm Elena Jordan. You can find me on Twitter, at Elena Jordan, and on Instagram, at that Elena Jordan girl. And if you want to hang out with Emma and I on Valentine's Day and you're in Phoenix, check out the oh, amazing yes. Phoenix Comic Con. Uh, okay, Lex that sounds Michael. great. <laughs> Lex Michael, all over social media at the Lex Michael. Yes, come talk to me about things. I love all of you. <laughs> and I'm Megan. You guys can tweet at me at and follow me on Instagram at the Mangwin. That's T H E M E N G U I N. Tweet me your favorite parts of the Evil Dead musical. I want to hear about it. And I also write articles for the Movie Chick. That's Chick with two Ks. Be sure to check those out, folks. Thank you again. You're I so awesome. cannot wait. For next season, next October, Halloween is the best time of the year, and I have to wait ten months for it. This is lame. So thank you guys so, so much for watching. We will see you all next time. From executive producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Groovy. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 